Welcome to another edition of the Unnamed NBA Draft Podcast. I'm Trevor Andershock. Drew Davis will be joining me once again today to break down four more NBA draft prospects. We're going to start with Evan Mobley of USC. Also talk about Corey Kispert of Gonzaga, Matthew Hurt of Duke, and Marcus Zagorowski of Creighton. Welcome to the uh, podcast here, Drew. Oh, it's great to be back in the saddle after a bunch of NCAA tournament action, man. Yeah, it's good to uh, cram some some. NBA draft prospect viewing in with the uh, March Madness. Let's uh, let's just jump right into Evan Mobley. Uh, I think a lot of people saw him in the tournament get USC to that elite eight uh, appearance. Obviously, made a lot of a lot of noise as a freshman this year. Drew, you know, he's entered entered college as a major prospect. You know, most places either had him one or two on their their college prospect board and he lived up to it this year the 6-11 7 foot power forward center really had a, a great showing for USC probably thing stands out most other than his height is just how thin he is right now mm-hmm. it's really extremely thin but when you're stretching over you know, a seven foot frame, seven foot four wingspan, you're obviously going to look uh, pretty thin most times. <laughs> oh, most you, definitely. What do, you, what do you think of his build right now and going forward? I think right now the biggest thing for him is he's got to add some upper body streak, but he's also got a streak to his core because right now he, people, the thing I noticed about him is people can really knock him off of his, uh, you know, spot whenever he's working in the post that's something for the next level that that's that's just got that's got to be improved upon yeah no doubt and obviously just getting older and more mature that's going to come a little bit but i think that is something to look for like if you're going to be a, a big time player in the nba you're you have to have that baseline of strength um, we've kind of seen that with Giannis. like when mm-hmm. he entered the league he was so thin got knocked around more and he just kept getting better and stronger and that really elevated his game. Most definitely. Uh, go ahead. I think another thing to note with him, just uh, not so much athletically wise, is uh, you look at his mom and dad both played, his brother played. So obviously the, he comes from a family with a, a very storied basketball history, you could say. Yeah, definitely. Big time pedigree there. Uh, talk about his athleticism. He moves great, especially for his size. He runs like a deer, just so fluid. And it looks like he changes pretty direction pretty well. What do you think about just his overall athleticism? Uh, the way I would uh, describe it is he has top-of-the-line physical gifts. I mean, you see a guy with that's that long, with that size, that can just kind of glide and move so gracefully. And, uh, you know, he's, he's even started to be able to show a little bit of ability to, uh, you know, put the ball on the floor a little bit more and create for others, which was something that I like when I saw him in high school, I felt like he was a little more interior based and not, not enough, you know, put, put the ball on the floor, be able to make that pass, create for others, step outside. But I think that's kind of where he's started to evolve a little bit. He, he'll, he still needs work, work in both his shooting and, and ability to put the ball on the floor. But this year was encouraging to see some of the strides he made there. Yeah, definitely think he's going to be able to be a face-up player down the road. Like, he'd handle the ball here and there, bring it up after a rebound. But um, right now, he's just so good around the basket. I mean, mm-hmm. most of his time needs to be around there. He gets off the floor so quickly. It's like he's just on his tippy toes and just elevates from there. Like, he needs zero gather to just explode at the rim and dunk over people. And obviously, he had that one highlight dunk in the mm-hmm. in the tournament, just posterizing that guy. He really gets off the floor well. 63 dunks on the season, which is great. Um, 78.5% around the rim. I mean, that's just off the charts. I mean, 
a lot of people think you should always shoot that percentage around the rim, but it just doesn't happen. Like most people are around 55 or lower, even good, you know, power forwards or center. So 78.5% around the rim, which is incredible. So when you have that as your kind of your baseline skill, that's why he was able to post those numbers as a freshman this year. Oh, most definitely. Like the touch from 12 to 14 uh, feet is terrific. And I found that he ranked in the 90th percentile and non post up scoring around the basket. Like you said, yeah. like that's for, I mean, you would think having the frame that he does that he might, you know, get knocked around in that area. The physicality might, you know, cause him some trouble there. I mean, clearly not. It wasn't a problem all year long. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the things I was looking through some games, see if he did get knocked off the uh, block much. But like you were saying, like he's good enough and quick enough to face up in those situations if he does get knocked off. So he ends up right at the rim anyway, even if he uh, just has to turn into a face-up game. Yeah. And the thing that I uh, also noticed talking about how his game's kind of worked more outward with this jump shot Uh you know, he didn't take a ton of them, but he took enough to, you know, kind of keep the defense uh, honest, make them respected at least. Yeah. And the thing I noticed on his jump shot is whenever he was missing, sometimes he would kind of like lose his balance and fall forward a little bit. And that's that's what I noticed on majority of his misses. So I think, you know, repetition and just as the more and more he continues to work on that, it's going to be huge for him. Yeah, and uh, that's one thing I did not notice. But if he is falling forward, I think that's easier to fix than mm-hmm. guys that are leaning back on their shot. So uh, overall, though, I do like his mechanics. It seems like he yeah. should be a better shooter than he is. Um, just 30% on a low number of three-point attempts and I think like 69% from the free throw line. With his release and stroke, it seems like he should be a much better better shooter than he, he's imposed this season. Yeah, and uh, how, how uh, encouraged are you to see, you know, they, they would give him the ball in that elbow area at times, let him make reads, try to draw a second defender, and that second defender would come, he would kick, he would kick out to the corner a lot, kind of just yeah. create for others. I think that's a very encouraging part of his game. Yeah, definitely. Um, not a not a huge turnover rate for a guy that had a, the ball in his hands a lot, especially for his size. Uh, some of those guys can put up pretty big turnover rates, but he was decent. And like you said, like he's pretty good in that mid-range area and away from the basket. He showed a really nice touch in that 10 to 15-foot range, like you said. So I think that's something they can really build on going forward. Um, see, defensively, I thought he was really good. Blocks a ton of shots mm-hmm. um, without getting in foul trouble. I think that's a really good, uh, really good sign for him going forward. And then I didn't see a ton of him on the perimeter, but it seemed like he was uh, able to switch and then protect the rim as well. So, so uh, looks like a versatile defender going forward. Oh, most definitely. Like I would consider him an elite rim protector. Some some of the plays that he made, just the, the, his guys or teammates would get beat, and he'd just clean it up for them. And it, it was huge for USC all year long. But uh, look, looking at him rebounding wise, another thing I noticed, like he kind of struggles a little bit on defensive glass. I think that's probably just from a sheer strength and and you know wanting it standpoint. But on the offensive glass, he was he was terrific. I mean, I think he ranked in the 88th percentile on putbacks off offensive rebounds, so he was clearly very effective. Yeah, 9.7 uh, percent offensive rebounding rate, which you know is good, not not crazy, but pretty good. And like you said, only 18.8 percent defensive rate, which is a little bit lower than you expect for a guy his size and athletic ability. Yeah, yeah, and like uh, 
Don't you think that's something I see gets stronger will, will be a big deal for him be, in the NBA when these guys are crashing the glass, be able to kind of body him up and keep him off of it? Yeah, I think so. It's got to be one of the reasons why he didn't post monster numbers on boards, but everything's there for him. I mean, he has the instincts to go get the ball. He's got the size, the athleticism, the quick jump, quick second jump. So definitely don't have many concerns about his rebounding going forward, especially like you said, once he adds weight, he should be a uh, top of the line to uh, rebounder as well. So um, anything else stick out to you as uh, a major strength right now? I think we've hit on most of the things for him. I think that pretty much covers it for what he does really well. But uh, an area that I did notice he, he struggled in, and we're going to sit, we're going to go to that now would be uh, in, in the post-up area. I know he's not really a back to the back player, but I mean, he only converted 38.5% of the time on the block, just, I, that's still got to be a product of just getting bullied down there, I would say. Yeah. And, I mean, like we were saying, he doesn't post up with his back to the mm-hmm. basket a ton. No. He does prefer, you know, either catching lobs or facing up. So, And in the NBA, I mean, how often are we seeing guys yes, just get exactly. throwing the ball with their back to the basket? Yeah, that's kind of a dying breed in today's game. Yeah, so I don't think that's a huge concern. It's another area where he adds strength to get a lot better, too. I mean, the biggest thing I see weakness-wise is just his physical build. Like He's got to get stronger to be that go-to player in the NBA. Exactly. His overall projection, obviously, as a you know projected top three pick, you know he's, he's slated to be pretty good. Where do you see his ultimate ceiling ending up and you know likely outcome to his career? I think his ceiling will ultimately depend on two things, his ability to, you know, change his body and kind of adapt to the professional game. And it will also depend on how far, how much farther along his jump shot come, because, you know, in today's game, if you could pass dribble and shoot, you're going to be very valuable. And I know he could pass, he could put the ball on the floor, but if he can get that, you know, get the third strike there and be able to start shooting the ball at a high level. I could see him being, you know, a, a, a very long time all-star and having a very good role in this league. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just looking at his baseline, at, at minimum, you have a rim finisher and rim protector. Exactly. Which obviously gets you in the starting lineup for pretty much every team for a long time. So definitely like his floor. And then ceiling-wise, kind of piggybacking off of you, like I think he really needs a jump shot. And I think he could develop into like a shot creator for himself too with that face-up game where mm-hmm. he doesn't he doesn't need to rely on guys to get him spot ups or lobs or anything like that. I think he can create his own shot down the road. And then obviously adding strength so he can be that go-to guy and endure the pounding and the fouls that he would uh, receive as a as a major guy. But definitely see his kind of ceiling as you know perennial all-star MVP level type of guy, especially if he gets that added strength and the shooting develops like we kind of expect it to. I mean, I think he would be in that conversation of, like you said, a long-time all-star and maybe even getting to that MVP level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, I know. I know I've said this to you when we we've watched him play. We text back and forth. You know, comparing him to you know the premier center in last year's draft, James Wiseman. I feel a lot a lot better about Evan Mobley coming out right now and his projection in the NBA than I did a year ago about James Wiseman. Yeah, I think Wiseman might be a little bit taller. I'd like to see mm-hmm. the official measurements on that, but. Um, I like Mobley's explosiveness a little bit better. And then I just love the way he moves just a tiny bit better. Um, one thing I think could be kind of similar is, um, is their love of the game there, their competitiveness. I think they're kind right. of similar there. I think there's some question marks about both. Do they love the game? And I think that's what 
will probably decide where those two end up, especially Mobley. Does he love the game enough to get to that MVP level or not? Exactly. That that for him will be make or break. Yeah. And then obviously Wiseman went to a great situation with the mm-hmm. Warriors. So what type of situation does Mobley go to? Does he need, uh, you know, to be the star right away or does he get time to, to kind of just fit in like uh, what Wiseman is at, with Golden State? Right. Ryan, like like they always say, fit is everything when you get to that next level. Yeah, especially early. I mean, obviously we think he's going to develop into a big-time player, but early on he could have a lot of struggles if he goes to the wrong situation. I mean, you think about it, you end up in a spot like, you know, naming off one off the top of my head, Detroit. That that could alter your career right there. Oh, man, throwing Detroit under the bus <laughs> right away. And then they kind of do it to themselves. But, uh, yeah, any uh, – Parting words here for Mobley. Again, I think the the upside's huge for him. Um, just really want to see where his shot develops into and how quickly he can add strength. Uh, what about you, Drew? I think the big thing that I always say with guys is there'll be guys I watch originally and I have some question marks about them, but the more and more they watch, or the more and more I watch them, the more they grow on me. And he's definitely one of those guys. And I just feel like his best basketball is, you know, well ahead of him. And every time I watch him play, he, there's always something that I come away, you know, impressed with. Is there any way for him to really like even expand away from the basket even more than, you know, like a face up power forward? Is there any way he uh, turns into like a Giannis type of player where he's handling the ball uh, just a large portion of the game? That would surprise me a little bit. I, I mean, personally, I don't think he has that in him right now. I, I would be very surprised if he's able to do things like that. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, on the outer limits of what he could develop into, but uh, definitely I'm interested to see where his shot goes. Like I said, I think the mechanics are there to be a mm-hmm. much better shooter than what he's shown. Exactly. If uh, you have no other words, I'll go to uh, our next uh, draft prospect who is that uh, shooter that we've uh, been pining for, Corey Kispert of Gonzaga. Obviously not the way he wanted to end the year uh, or his season the other night, but uh, had a great season, really elevated himself into that lottery type of range. You know, one thing... He's listed at six seven. Are you buying that he's six seven? No, I even jo- I even jotted that down an inch on my notes for good yeah. measure. Uh, I don't think I've seen Kispert in person, but there's no way he's six seven. He's more um, of a six five. Yeah, even even six five. I mean, I think he could definitely get away with it, but I would love to see an official measurement for him. I I don't see him being over six five by a centimeter. I saw that and I was cracking up because the, we both know we look at that and we're like, oh, that's the two inch rule right there. Oh, yeah, easily. And then, like, just looking through games, I saw him playing, you know, Hawkes of UCLA. He's listed at 6'6", and Hawkes is taller than Kispert. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> right there, something's uh, something's off. But, you know, I'm not – I don't think height determines a ton, but I do like to have a uh, accurate reading. Oh, exactly. And especially for a guy like Corey Kispert, I mean, he doesn't have a ton of length either. So, that – that point you know you're both you're down both in length and you're only about six foot five and six foot or six foot four you better you better have one elite skill is all i got to say yeah i would say he's got pretty solid athleticism Mm -hmm. and a pretty good build Uh, you know he's a little bit older turns he turned 22 in march so he is pretty much fully mature obviously and filling out physically uh muscle wise and everything so um, showed that he could elevate pretty well, especially when he has time to gather, you know, fast breaks or help side defense where he can get that full gathering. 
go up to block a shot. But overall, I'd just call him a you know fair athlete, especially for the NBA yeah. level. Yeah, and I think for me, uh, watching him shoot the ball, I mean, I know he didn't finish the year, like you said, the way he wanted. At one point this, during the season, the guy was ranked in the 99th percentile in spot-up shooting or whatever it was. And I know down the stretch of the tournament, he kind of struggled a little bit. And it wasn't like, hey, you know, it's the competition level. It was he's shooting the same shots, and they just weren't going in. And it's like, like all great shooters, you know, they run into a slump. And I think that's kind of what happened to him for whatever reason. I don't know if he ran out of gas or the different environments in the tournament or that played into it. I mean, there, there could be any number of those factors. But uh, one thing that really stood out to me was uh, when he comes off a, a screen, he does a really good job of getting his hips lined up when he, and then knocking down those shots. Yeah, definitely. I noticed that too. And Gonzaga had him running all over the place, uh, just off the ball, coming off screens, cutting. Uh, I thought he did a really good job of just basket cutting a lot just to keep the Gonzaga mm-hmm. offense moving. And uh, like you said, he gets his feet set really quickly, uh, coming off screens or just rotating into shots and stuff like that. He gets his feet set and gets rid of his shot really quickly. So I really think that's something that will translate well. Like you said, I mean, 41% over 662 three-point attempts for his career obviously puts him in that elite category. 82% from the free throw line, so that kind of just solidifies that thinking. So obviously that's going to be his asset going forward is his shooting ability. Um, I did notice that he attacks closeouts really well. He can put it on the floor mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, pretty solid with the ball in his hand, so he's not just a guy that will just be spotting up. I think he'll be able to attack closeouts here and there too. And he also didn't have a, a ton of usage as a pick and roll ball handler, but in the, the small amount he did, I did notice that he was effective in doing so. And, uh, you know, he had that one pull up against Baylor from really deep. You would think he'd be able to do that on pick and rolls, ball screen actions where he'd just fire if they get caught up on it or go under. Right. Right. Like the other, that was another thing. It's like his understanding of moving off the ball and how to come off screens is well advanced to pretty much most college players. Like you watch a lot of guys, they don't know how to play off the ball. They don't, they don't know what to do, but for Kispert, you know, and when he goes to the NBA and he's playing off the ball, that's going to be something that's a very important skill for him. And for him to have that already is huge. Yeah. Because he's going to be playing, you know, that similar role <laughs> where they aren't asking him to create the shots. He's just there to make them basically. Exactly. Um, another thing talking about his movement and his cutting, he ended up shooting really well from a two point range this year. And I think that's, it's kind of a byproduct of all that movement. He's getting, he got a lot of open looks, cutting to the basket and and finishing well at the rim. So, you know, obviously hard to say that's going to translate to the next level, but just, uh, you know, something to note. Yeah. And I think uh, another thing to note is uh, when you look at Corey Kispert and uh, you, you think of a catch and shoot guy, but like you like you said earlier, he did, he did a really good job of the half court of uh, scoring off the dribble. That, that was something that kind of stood out to me. Like when I was looking at his profile, and I went back and watched his you know possessions. I wasn't expecting to see see as many you know sco- scores off the dribble as he had. Yeah, definitely, especially you know inside the arc. Most of right. his three point shots were you know, off the catch, but inside he was really scoring well, especially um, at the rim. You know, Bart Torvik says only 55% of his scores at the rim were assisted. So that means he's getting it 
off the dribble a lot mm-hmm. and all the way to the basket. Any other strengths stand out? I mean, I think he's a solid athlete. Say the tax close up well, and obviously shooting is his, his biggest strength. Any other stats to that? I did have well, one other thing I noticed was, you know, Gonzaga would run a lot of smaller off or uh, smaller lineups where Corey would be thrown in there at the four sometimes. And uh, when he was guarding the post this year, uh, I think he ranked the 78th percentile in guarding post-ups, which I know you get, you look at the West Coast Conference and you say competition level, but still, I mean, when you're, you're what, six foot four, six foot five, and you're guarding post-ups and you rank, rank and grade out that well, that's kind of impressive. Yeah, it is. And I'm interested to see how he plays defensively in the NBA because I think he does move laterally decently well, um, enough that he can be, you know, an average or slightly below average defender. What do you think about his defensive ability at the next level? Oh, yeah. When I went back and I looked at that and I looked at his profile defensively, I was expecting him, you know, to have some areas like where where he was in ISOs that he may have struggled a little bit more. But honestly, he was still respectable. I mean, yeah. it wasn't like he was just getting blown up in isolation situations all the time where you get him out in space and he can't stay in front of a guy or doesn't have the foot speed. I think the word to use would be capable athlete. Yeah. And, you know, I remember Baylor beating Gonzaga off the dribble a lot on the perimeter, but I went back through the game today and it wasn't really Kispert getting beat off the dribble. It was just more, you know, Baylor getting those switches and taking advantage mm-hmm. of them with other people. So I thought Kispert did a pretty good job, even in the uh, the championship game against the Baylor athlete. Oh, I did too. I mean, you look like, like what you said, it was the Gonzaga bigs that were the vulnerable ones when they got put in situations where they had to go against Davion Mitchell and those guys. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, any chance that he's more than a three point specialist uh, at the next level? No, I think that's where he's going to make his money. I think if he's good in that, good in that role. He's going to make a ton of money doing it because the league today's game, you know, shooters are, they're as valuable as ever. Yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of a chance. Like, he's not a playmaker for others at all. Right. So he's never going to be, you know, a, a pure shot creator um, for others and stuff like that. But like we said, he does do a good job of attacking closeouts and stuff like that. So I think there's a chance that he develops into a you know slightly bigger role than just a three-point special. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And I, I'm looking at uh... – you know, I, when, when I was watching his possessions and watching how they use them, this this is immediately what came to my mind for his projection. He's, you know, he's obviously a pure shooter, but I, I see him being used similarly to how Doug McDermott's used within the Pacer system where they run him off all kinds of screens. There's just a bunch of constant off-ball action to get him, get him to his spots where he can score and attack the defense. Yeah, especially you run him off a screen and then, you know, put him in that corner with a pick and roll. Mm-hmm. Seems like that's the perfect situation for him where he can, you know, bring that gravity to uh, keep the defender from helping on the ball screen. I think that'd be a, a great spot for him. Yeah. And I mean, like we said, he could go in the lottery, but I mean, if even if he slips out of the lottery, we're talking what you're looking in that 15, 18 range. Like that's a guy where you're looking for someone that's going to fill a specific role and help your team. Cause those teams are maybe a, a piece or two away from being really, you know, good right there, French playoff teams. So they get a guy like Corey Kisper, that would be huge. Yeah. Especially if we're talking later lottery or up to, or down to 18, like you said, um, I think he could be a long-term starter. I mean, I think that's a realistic outcome for his career. So that's a, that would be great value anytime you're getting the starter, you know, out of the lottery, basically. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And like the thing about so many players in this draft is, you know, we we project what they could be. But with Corey Kisper, you you know exactly what you're getting. 
Yeah, definitely. And I mean, he is older. He's a four-year senior at Gonzaga. Obviously, he could come back again with that free year, but there's no reason for him. No to, way. <laughs> to get another collegiate uh, year under the belt. But yeah, what's kind of your just overall outcome? Where do you think he he lands? Um, you know, down the road, five, ten years. Does he make it in the league that long? What are what's your most likely outcome for him? Uh, I see this guy being in the league for a long time with his game and the way he plays. He could be a you know eight to 10 year guy because you mean his role is so defined there's always going to be a team looking for someone to play that role you you look at the types of guys that play that role in the league right now and they're just constantly you know they'll spend three years here with a team and then they'll go get paid you know middle middle money and move on to another team and i could see that being him yeah i can completely agree um not only you know we talked about his three-point percentage free throw um is really good too but you know, two years of his four, he was over 87% from the free throw line. So, I mean, I don't, I don't see his three-point shot dropping off even with the, the longer distance of the NBA. So, I definitely agree with you. I, I think he could play in the NBA for a long time, and I think he could be a starter for a long time, too. Exactly. All right. Uh, if you don't have any other uh, parting shots, we'll move over to our uh, third guy, Matthew Hurt of Duke, uh, sophomore forward. He's a guy, he's going to turn 21 in April here, about 6'9". Not a great wingspan, somewhere right around that range. I was impressed. He had a lot of muscle uh, from his mm-hmm. freshman year to his sophomore year. I think that really helped his game. Uh, but physically, anything that stands out to you? I mean, physically. I mean, you look at Matthew Hurt, you're never going to be like, in and odd over his physical tools. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, athletically, where do you place him? I mean, he's not a great athlete, but I... I wouldn't call him a bad athlete either. It seems like he's always kind of in that that right spot, and that might help him a little bit. I call him an average athlete. Like he's not going to be the biggest, the fastest, the strongest. Like he's not going to get off the floor overly well. But like you said, he knows how to play. He knows knows where to be, and he can kind of make up for some of those things by doing that. Yeah, and I I think he gets off the floor really well. Like I think part of that's just his his height, six nine, obviously huge. It helps, but um, I thought he moved pretty well. And you know, like you said, probably average, maybe slightly below average for the next level. But I don't have any major concerns about his athleticism going forward. No, and I, I mean I think I've I've been watching this guy play since he was a, a sophomore in high school, and just uh, the thing I'm gonna know is. With Matthew, you always watch him play and you'll just be like, is, is he going hard or is, is this just how he always plays? You know, like yeah. he's one of those guys that it just kind of looks easy for him at times that you're just wondering, like, where's the motor at? Yeah. And I think you can see that a little bit in his rebounding numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't post great numbers. 5% offensive rebounding rate, 17 defensive. At his size, you would think that would be a little bit higher, especially with the, the lineups that Duke was playing this year. Like they needed him to rebound and you know, he definitely. didn't post huge numbers. So I think that's a concern going forward. I think I, I think the thing you look at is uh, the shooting made a big jump this year. I, I, I That was impressive to me, and he increased his attempts to 5.3. I mean, he has a weird wind-up shot, but, I mean, he shot 44% this year. Yeah. Excellent spot-up situations. He's in the 91st percentile, averaging, like, over a point per possession. Yeah, it's almost like a, a Larry Bird type of two motion mm-hmm. shot. It doesn't go off to the side. It's more straight over the top, but 
he's got that brings it back and then up but He's one of the rare guys that does have that two-motion shot and has arch on it. Like, he keeps a pretty good arch on it. I will say, does that continue when you step back a couple more feet? Like, I think that's a major concern because usually that's the major concern is when you go back first, creates a flat shot. If you move back, is that going to continue to have good arch on it or does it flatten out and ruin his uh, three-point? Per- yeah, that's a big question mark. I just I always watch him shoot and I wonder, I just sat there and wonder how the results were as good as they were, to be honest with you. Yeah, and kind of a point in that is he was a good but not great free throw shooter too. 72% this year, 73% for his college career, so... Another point where kind of makes you question, are those three-point shooting numbers legit or not? Right, right. And, you know, moving on, like you look, uh, his ability to put the ball on the floor is there. I mean, he was able to do that, but he also doesn't have the quickest first step in the world. Like that's a strike against him. Yeah, definitely not a quick guy, but I do like how he operates like that mid-range, mm-hmm. faces up a ton, posts up, and then kind of uses that dirt shot where he's just using his size to get his shot off instead of, you know, beating him off the dribble or anything like that. Yeah, and you look how he how he did in the post. He did a good job scoring in the post this year, especially he, I, th- I thought he was especially good in the mid-post where, yeah. you know, people couldn't you know, stop him from getting to that move where he kind of sticks his leg out and creates space, shoots just over him. But when yeah. I continue in the NBA with bigger and longer guys guarding him. Yeah. And that's one of the areas where that kind of un- unorthodox shot helps him too. He gets that even higher than most uh, people on his release in the mid range is where that really shines. Yeah, most definitely. And another thing I noticed about Matt is uh, he's always, he's displayed good vision, does a good job of finding others when they, they cut and when he'll be in a post up and he'll find that guy cutting off his shoulder for a layup. He just uh, notices. I notice like the little passes. He, he really thrives in those areas. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked him. Like, you know, obviously posting up is where a lot of those passes coming from. I really, like you said, I really liked his, uh, that mid post game for him and where he can face a pass and, uh, create shots for others when people are kind of focusing on him too much he'll find that teammate cutting to the basket so like he said really think that's something that he could use going forward most definitely moving on to you know some of his uh weaknesses that i i saw was his foot speed is very average uh defensively if he gets into space that's where he really struggles yeah and at his size you would think he would block more shots than he does Mm -hmm. he's not a shot blocker like you said he doesn't move that great defensively so he's not getting a ton of steals i think the defense end is a uh, major question mark Uh, even at duke alone he's been an average at best defender at the nba level I think he's going to have to fight to uh, get to just a subpar level, basically. I mean, in the role that he's going to be in, if he makes it to the NBA, you're going to be in a lot of pick-and-roll situations. And he didn't do a very good job guarding pick-and-roll situations, guarding ball screens. He was just always kind of, you know, hung out to dry there a good portion of the time. And that's an area that he really struggled in. Yeah. I will say that he does have pretty good instincts, though. He kind of just floats to the right spot. It's not an explosive movement to get there, but somehow he does end up you know, just kind of being in the way, figuring out where the action's going and stuff like that. So I think that's at least one positive on the defense end, but there aren't too many for him. No, no. And it's like you said, he, he may know what to do. He just doesn't have the, uh, the guy giving gifts to do it. Yeah. And like you said before, like he's kind of where I said if floating was kind of a positive for him. It's also another reason why he wasn't great. Like there's no urgency for him on the, especially on the defense end. It's more of just kind of 
go at his own pace and get there if he can. And it's, it's always been that way. And, you know, dating back to the D1 Minnesota AAU EAs, like he would know, like obviously when you're playing on the Adidas circuit and you're as talented as he was in high school, you could probably just show up and play a C game and still put up like 20 and nine, oh, yeah. a couple assists. And there were so many games where I would be like, yeah, you know, Matt played a C game today, but he still had like 29 and five. Yeah. Walked a few shots. It's just always one of those guys that you watch and you're kind of frustrated because you're always wanting to see them do more, even though they do, would put up good performance. Yeah, no doubt. And I definitely think that's that's one of the biggest concerns with him. I mean, outside of athleticism, like, does he ever get that fire, that motor, the urgency to improve in those areas? I think that's a, a major concern going forward. Yeah, that's that's at the top of the list for me. Um, kind of projecting a role. I mean, outside of a spot-up shooter, kind of face-up, power forward, is there any other offensive role he could really fill? I don't think he's big enough to play in the post in the league. And my other question is, how does that shot translate? So he's kind of, you know, stuck in between. Yeah, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt for the shot so far or going forward. I think he might be able to get it done, especially like if he can be spotting up in the corners where it's not as long. I think that would help him a lot. But yeah, definitely worried about his mechanics stretching out to the NBA line. No doubt about it. If he can't do that at, you know, a 40 percent level, then his options are really shrinking. Yeah, yeah, that's for him. he, He better be able to shoot the ball if he wants to stay in the league. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And I think that's where I would probably put his ceiling at an NBA starter level and him reaching that, I think, you know, not a high probability for me. No, I I would be very surprised if he's an NBA starter other than, you know, here and there. Yeah, spot start here, there. Obviously, it could happen in any situation. But, yeah, definitely worried about a lot of this for Hurt going forward, even though he did have a really good year for Duke. Yeah, nearly was able to get them in the NCAA tournament, despite Coach K and the other guys having a uh, mediocre year. No, exactly. I think it'll be interesting with Matthew. He's got an interesting decision to make. Will he stay or will he go? Definitely an interesting one, because how much more can he improve? I mean, he's not going to shoot much better than 44% from three. And he obviously had a good year overall uh, offensively, and he's not going to improve his athleticism overnight. So his his NBA projection probably going to stick to that same area going forward, even if he does return for another year or two. Yeah, because at this point, he, he pretty much is what he is. Yeah, no doubt. Um, any parting shots about his uh, – his career NBA projection. Right. I think that pretty much covers it for Matt. All right, let's move on to our kind of a wild card guy here. Marcus Zagorowski from uh, Creighton. Obviously a really talented point guard that put up big numbers for uh, Creighton this season. I would call him a six foot guard. I think he's listed like six two. Uh, yeah, they listed him at six foot two. Another guy. I'm not buying that. <laughs> I saw he was measured at 5'11 in high school, but I'll give him an inch. I'll say he had added an inch late, and he's a solid six foot. Where do you weigh in on that, Drew? He's definitely six foot at best. Like the six foot two measurement, I just kind of chuckled when I, I, I stumbled upon that. Yeah, that's that's an NBA height right there. Already given a solid two inches, but uh, yeah, wingspan's not great either. I guess I was listed at six one, so not much help there. He does have really good feet, solid athlete, moves well, changes direction, so that helps offset his height a little bit. But anything else from a size or athleticism standpoint stick out for you? I I did have one, something to note, uh, like just. Um, Family wise, is is either the half brother, I believe, or step brother of Syracuse and NBA guard or former Syracuse and NBA guard Michael Carter Williams. Hmm. 
interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was I was really taken aback when I saw that. Yeah, that is a you know now that you bring it up, obviously you can kind of see a resemblance in the face. I might just be uh, projecting now that you said it. Who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, the biggest thing for me, kind of like a lot of these guys, uh, whatever the last couple guys we detailed, three point shooting, never had a year under forty percent in his college career, forty two percent this year. I mean, I think that's leading the way for his NBA chances, three point shooting. Oh yeah, we're looking at a guy this year that shot forty two percent from three while averaging over six six attempts per game. And I looked at him and I went back and I watched his film and I looked at his his numbers offensively. And offensively, you're trying to poke a hole in this guy's game. It's very hard. Yeah. Yeah. He was not taking the easiest three-point shots no. either. Like guys are right on him and he's burying shots right over him. So that 42% feels pretty legit. You know, 190 attempts over 29 games. So I think that's pretty close to a true percentage for him. Yeah, and you look when he had the ball in his hands and they were running ball screen action for him as a pick-and-roll ball handler. He graded out extremely well, ranked as the eighty, ranked in the 88th percentile. And another thing I noticed is uh, when he, he goes over a screen, he does a really good job of getting the defender on his back and kind of trapping him there and forcing the help side to make a decision. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed watching him play that, that ball screen game. Didn't have huge assist numbers, but, you know, he proved that he can set up his teammates and distribute it pretty well. And I think that should be a big part of his game at the next level where he's more than likely going to be coming off the bench and can provide that shooting and kind of the move the ball distributor type of role for him. Like he's that guy that comes off a bench and you, is your, I, I guess you'd call him a microwave guy. Yeah, definitely. Especially, I mean, you want a guy, especially coming off the bench, you can make shots. You know, defense, he's not going to be playing major minutes, so it's not quite as big a concern if he is a bench guy. Um, so definitely, definitely like his game going forward here. Any other major strengths uh, to his game? I did find something pretty fascinating was in, uh, you know, catch and shoot opportunities, obviously outstanding, but he ranked higher in uh, guarded catch and shoots in 96 percentile <laughs> than he did in unguarded catch and shoots. Yeah. Yeah, and only 65% of his threes were assisted on, so that means he was you know, creating his own shot a lot from beyond the arc. So another thing that's pretty impressive. I will say he wasn't great finishing at the rim. No. I thought he I thought he would be a little bit better um, just because he's quick and, you know, it's a decent athlete. So I thought he would finish pretty well, but only 55% at the rim. You know, not bad, but you would like it to be a little bit higher going to the NBA. Well, most definitely. You looked at, uh, speaking of him going off the dribble, whenever uh, he went off the dribble and scoring off the dribble, he averaged, uh, I believe, over a point per possession. So like you said, there's a lot of opportunities where he wasn't assisted and he was just putting up shots late in the shot clock. And I mean, wouldn't you call him kind of a tough shot maker? Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially from distance, the shots he was drilling over people, really impressive. They're professional shots. Yeah, these weren't cherry-picked shots where he's just taking the absolute best shots and drilling them, but contested over guys. You know, a lot of times he didn't even have the best balance and he was still making shots, so really impressive shot maker. The, another thing, a couple of things I note, noted as positives for him was uh, he does a good job of shifting gears when the ball, ball is in his hands just to kind of keep the defense off balance. And uh, when, when he comes off of a uh, ball screen to the ball in his hands, he's ready to attack. Just yeah. full out attack mode. Yeah, no doubt. I will say I thought his his turnover rate um, definitely was better this year, but 
first two years at Creighton was in the 18% range. That's a little bit high for me, especially where, you know, he's not the top end physical beast uh, point guard where he can offset things. So that's something I'm kind of concerned about going to the next level. Is he going to be able to cut those turnovers down? Uh, maybe when he's not looking for a shot quite as much, being a pure distributor, playmaker type. How, yeah. how will that translate? That, that's a big question mark for him. Like, you know, I, I noted that he's decent setup, man. When the re- he, he makes the moderate to easy reads, but the advanced reads are not there. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. So that and, you know, improved as a defender this year, but still not a great defender. Like, there's a lot of times where he was, I would call him pretty much uninterested defensively. And Creighton wouldn't have him guard the uh, best uh, opposing guard either. So they would try to hide him a little bit. But a lot of times he was just kind of floating around and not not overly engaged is what I would call it. No, I, I know it like in all caps on my notes that defense is something that he will have to overcome at the next level. Uh, you know, when putting pick and roll situations, having to guard those, he got a, just, just yeah. not really willing to fight through screens or something I noticed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I see that same thing, especially like just his mindset really. It's like he just is not focused on the defensive end. It seems like his physical tools should allow him to be a a decent defender, especially better than what he showed this year, but it just wasn't there for him. So I I would say some of it comes just from awareness, intensity, activity, those types of things. What do you think? Can he improve on that? Or is it kind of just ingrained in him right now that he can't be a very good defender? At this point, I think it's kind of ingrained into him, but whenever you get to the NBA and they're telling you, well, your, your paycheck's going to depend on you playing both ends of the floor because you're not good enough to just sit here and, and play offense. Like, I think that might get through to them. Yeah, no doubt. That's a hell of a uh, motivational tactic there. Oh, most definitely. You know, your job's on the line. You, you might start to change your mindset. Yeah. Uh, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but I definitely think his most likely projections, kind of a back end starter, bench point guard coming off, you know, hitting shots, distributing the ball hopefully playing defense down the road at some point. Really don't see him, you know, being that full-time starter or, you know, even higher tier player in the NBA. No, I think he's just, uh, he's best suited to be your guy that comes off the bench and gives you like jolts of offense. I think that's the perfect role for him in the NBA. Um, I forget if we mentioned this, but he does turn 23 in August. So another guy that's... uh... Definitely maxed out physically and and not too much more projection can really go on to him. You're getting pretty close. uh, You know, he is what he is territory. Yeah, I think his decision, uh, I mean, personally, if I was in his spot, I would go. I don't see much value in coming back, but I know he does have some pretty good tra- interesting and quality transfer options if he does decide to go that route for another year. Yeah. If I was him, I mean, obviously each person's different, but I would definitely be looking into going, start making some money, even if it was G League or overseas. You know, obviously, I think he would have a good chance to yeah, get into the NBA, especially for a year or two here early on. So. I would definitely be looking to go to the pro level. Uh, any other things to add on uh, Zagorowski's game here, Drew? Uh, I think that pretty much covers it for Zag. Here's uh, one thing I found interesting on Zagorowski, too. Uh, a player that Bart Torvik had as a player count for him this season was uh, Javante Smart, LSU. Um, which player would you rather have? We, we've detailed Smart in an earlier podcast. Which uh, NBA kind of career would you pick between those two who would have the better career smart's got the better physical tools from like length and size perspective but i'd probably rather have a uh, zagorowski 
I think he's just such a good offensive player that he would have a better chance at finding a role in the league than uh, Javante. Yeah, I think it's really close. And like you said, Zagorowski probably has a slight edge, but I do like how uh, Smart played this year. So I think it's close. Uh, a few other guys that this season, it was only for this season, not a career comparison, but uh, for Zagorowski, Marcus Page, Denzel Valentine, and Peyton Pritchard were uh, a few of the other guys compared favorably to uh, Zagorowski. A couple, couple of those guys found themselves roles in the league, but I mean, I think Zagorowski has a, you know, I mean, you look, obviously look at Denzel. I think Zagorowski's best, you know, skill, obviously scoring the basketball is better than Denzel's best skill. Yeah. All right. I think that's all I got for Zagorowski. Anything else to add uh, on him? I think that pretty much covers it. All right. Now that we've, we've detailed the top three projected picks and, you know, Mobley today, Cade Cunningham last time, Jalen Suggs before. At this point, and we're going to dive into that top three more in a, a future podcast, but at this point, who are you taking with the number one pick? That's that's a tough question. I think it depends on what I need. Uh, I obviously like probably Cade Cunningham more than most people, but Evan Mobley is a guy that over the course of the season grew on me and grew on me, and the upside there is just so intriguing that if it hits – you you know what you're work you're working with you're you're looking at a fifteen or you know ten ten year all star type guy I I probably take Evan Mobley just because of the upside I think Mobley might be the most talented one of the bunch but I also like you know Cunningham and Suggs are going to have like a higher usage rate because they're going to have they the ball are. in their hands more and I think that would you know obviously make your team better if you have a, a big time player with the ball in his hands all the time. So that's where I, I might put one of those two ahead of Mobley, but really, really excited for Mobley's NBA career. Yeah, that's a good point you make there because, I mean, you know, when you're a big man, your touches are dependent on the wings and the guards to get you the ball where yeah. pretty much everything, those two, those two are, there's those two teams that draft uh, Suggs and Cunningham. They're going to be pretty much playing through those guys for the most part. Especially Cunningham. I think he needs the ball in his hands all the time. Yeah, Cunningham, you need to find, you know, two or three shooters put around him. You remember how uh, they kind of used Ben Simmons when he first came into the league where they kind of just spread the floor and let him go to work. I think that you have to look at a similar type concept to put around Cunningham. Yeah, definitely. Um, what about lottery of the guys we've uh, we've detailed so far? Who's kind of your favorite guy outside of those top three? So that would be Kispert. Trying to think the other three. Um, well, it could be anybody that we detail, like Sharif Cooper. Uh, obviously, I don't think it would be like Nemius Keita or anybody like that. Javante Smart. I would say for me, it's Corey Kispert. Yeah, because I know I know what I'm getting with Corey Kispert. I know I can I can really visualize like I'm so confident. Like when I say he's going to be a pure shooter, you know what you can do with them. It's just when you're looking at the late lottery range, that's so valuable. You know, obviously in today's game, you want as many shooters on your roster as you can get. Yeah, you wouldn't put uh, Keon Johnson above him, but that would be uh, complete opposite of what you just said. But I would probably go with Kispert just because yeah. I'm more sure about Kisper than I am Keon Johnson. I like Keon's upside way better, but I'm more sure about Kisper. Yeah, it's easier to see Kisper filling a role and playing for a long time than Keon right now. Keon's got so many unknowns, like you were saying. But... It's just a major upside play when you draft him. Yeah, definitely. All right, I think that wraps it up, uh, unless you have any uh, final thoughts here, Drew. I, I think that pretty much covers it. Uh, this is definitely an entertaining one to get a breakdown. 
number of different guys that, you know, a couple of them had really good tournaments and, you know, showcased their best in, you know, the college game this year. Yeah. With the uh, college season complete, I think we're going to try to really dive into more prospects on a regular basis here and kind of work towards the NBA draft. So it should be fun the next couple of months to uh, get into all these prospects. Circle back to the guys, too, to get a deeper kind of insight into them. Most all definitely. Right. All right. Thanks for joining me, and uh, we'll see you next time.